0: Hi, and welcome back to the Voice First Roundtable, season two, episode six. My name is Bradley Metrock, I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. The Voice First Roundtable is our ongoing interview show, half an hour, one-on-one, where we speak to a variety of leaders and pioneers across this vast landscape of voice technology and conversational AI. We are now halfway through season two, um, starting on the back half, and we are thrilled to be joined by Steve R. Dyer. Steve, say hello.
1: Thank you, Bradley. Uh, I'm Steve Ardieri. I operate- oh, uh I mispronounced uh, it right off the bat. So that's Ardieri. That's D-A-R. okay. Ardieri. It's a hard E at the end. Yes. Okay. It's hard e at the end. Right. So- uh, so uh, great, you know, great to do this. Uh, it's been a, a few months since I've done a podcast. Uh, I'm very uh, active in the speaking circuit. But if you go to my uh, website, which I'll include a link, but I'll verbalize. It's Uh, force uh On the events list, um, there were four upcoming events that, were, that I was targeted to do. And I just put a little notation, uh, postponed due to COVID-19. So I have like in red on my (laughs) events list, uh, a number of events, a healthcare event, uh, AI showbiz, which is an online event for AI and uh, entertainment, a HR event, a ed tech event. So a nice little sprinkling, but it is what it is. And you just got to play through. Hopefully things will, you know, be more stabilized with the flattening of the uh, COVID-19 curve by, you know, by the fall. So at any rate, a little bit about me, if you want to give me, uh, if I can give you a quick capsule on what I do. So, um, so I've been uh, advising startups for 25 years, the last seven squarely in the AI space in multiple areas, everything from uh, enterprise AI, uh, I've kind of moved up the stack from you know, you know, the plumbing side of things up to you know, applications in, in different spaces, in the healthcare space, in, you know, in HR and in tech and entertainment. So a whole sprinkling of verticals. And, um, and I typically lock on to uh, early stage uh, AI software startups. So I have an affinity for uh, underappreciated, underestimated underdog startups where I can come in and give them a turnkey deliverable, which is rare for advisors. I can come in and help shape their business strategy, product market fit, put together their pitch. Get it funded. So these are typically anywhere from you know some pre-seed, but typically you know seed you know seed stage from one to you know three million funding, and then get to the fun part, which is uh, uh, operationalizing the tactical execution, which is go to market you know
0: for uh, customer engagement and partnerships. Very cool. So you're you're a busy man.
1: Very busy. And, you know, typically it's interesting. Uh, you know, I should have done this earlier in my career, but uh, about four years ago, maybe no, actually five years ago, uh, I decided uh, my wife has horses. She has a stable of horses less now. So I decided to put together a stable of AI startup, parse my time across, you know, uh, anywhere from six to eight. And, uh, some of them were more intense gigs. Other ones were just, you know, you know, maybe four to eight hours a month. And, uh, and it was interesting because, I mean, that's really how the VCs play the game. Uh, it's a numbers game. And, you know, you want horses that, you know, are going to win, place, or show. And that's the way it is. I mean, no matter how you slice it, nine out of 10 uh, software, uh, software startups, whether they're AI or not, uh, fail to numerous reasons. So, So, I mean, you try to get a little more discerning and, you know, with the experience, picking the right horses, but the space that I'm in is the toughest one because uh, you're not quite there. You may have some, you know, early adopter traction. You've got to get, you know, to a commercial viable product. It's difficult, but the good news is that today with uh, open source cloud services, uh, uh, the whole cost of standing up so, you know, software startups, if you have a compelling application, you know, that's kind of on, you know, outside the gun sights of the big players, and you can, you can field it, you know, you can field your uh, uh, deployment pretty, pretty smartly. You have a, you have a much better chance. So my new mantra uh, uh, that is even recalibrated is, I think for a lot of AI startups, especially in the enterprise AI uh, space. Using conversational AI, and I'll give you an example of one that I'm doing as a uh, as a co-CEO and co-founder. You have a great chance to do it with no more than five million funding. You know, get to five million in sales, and you've got a 25 million you know uh, exit strategy if you execute smartly.
0: Yeah, uh, excellent. So, uh, and I like the um, the the horse. Um, medical, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, right, yeah i 'm going to continue to go with that, so go, go uh, with it yeah, so yes. <laughs> with your <laughs> uh, you know you 've interacted with a lot of companies, and you know you talked yep. about how you know you sort of continued to uh, sharpen your own framework for how you evaluate mm-hmm. them and think about them you know what what are some of the criteria that maybe uh, makes you think uh, one startup or another is a secretariat? Uh, Rather than uh, like another Mister Ed.
1: Yes. So the number one criteria is
0: is your team.
1: Uh, In fact, VCs put a weighting of seventy percent criteria on your team. Now, the interesting thing about it is that you know, outside, you know, in rural areas like where you are, well, you're not really rural, but off the beaten path, you know, the big cities, right? Where you have the preponderance, uh, I don't really get a lot of funding from. I think the Silicon Valley bloom is is, uh, is off the road, uh, and there's a lot of you know flyover country areas, uh, you know wherever you have a university, and or it doesn't, need, you know, you've got a viable uh, ecosystem to springboard. And um, but the key thing is recruiting the right team. And I'll give you a, a tangible example rather than talking in the abstract. So we're uh, the timing, I think, is propitious. But we're standing up a telebehavioral health software as a service called SignalActionAI.com, and uh, it's all targeted for uh, AI healthcare and human services for good. Now, now we didn't really, you know, we had this thing going a few months ago before the COVID-19, but the. The feedback and the timing couldn't be better because, you know, the problem sets are going to be manifest. So we're targeting substance use and abuse, opioid addiction, and then the other bucket is the mental health, depression, suicide. For most people, don't realize the enormity of the problem. The economic impact of addiction and mental illness, you know, globally is nearly trillion dollars a year. 200 people a day die from opioid addiction. Uh one in five adults experience mental illness and mental health issues, and it's going to increase now because of the pandemic issues, right? So that's gonna bump up illnesses. It also includes children uh with higher I, I didn't believe the statistics. One in six youth, uh age sixteen to seventeen is mental you know disorder. So depression now will be a leading, you know, cause of disability. So what we're trying to do is uh <clears throat> is addressed uh through telebehavioral um using machine intelligence uh to help users overcome obstacles you know to leading the healthier happier life so it's conversational interface you know like you do at voicecon and so forth is just one ingredient of that but you need the other ingredients that we're uh, interleaving into the into the uh into the product mix that that tap into uh, patient behavioral pattern recognition, empathy, bi patient interaction, the ability to uh, glean real time vital sign detection, you know, have a semantic patient modeling component. And then, you know, the, the, the metrics on the trend analysis you're reporting. So we're just in the early stages of standing up a proof of concept in May. And, uh, and uh, and then deploy an M. So the sequence is after that you deployed an MVP with early adopters, you know, targeting rural hospitals, you know, in clinics because those are the underserved markets. And we have a killer team. So it comes back to the team, uh, uh, very lean as far as you know the co-founders, but we have a, a really impressive list of advisors in in healthcare in in uh, in uh, patient experience. Uh, uh, in, you know, uh, uh, design strategy. So we're, we're feeling pretty good about it.
0: So <laughs> that dovetails pretty well with, uh, with a, with a question for you. So uh-huh. you interact with such breadth of companies uh-huh. and, um, you know, you're, you're interacting with them at such a deep, um, and integrated level, as you know, the Project Voice series, you know, we have this portfolio of events that we do, and it involves uh, the intersection of different verticals and voice technology and the AI that sort of sits underneath it. My my question for you is: you just mentioned a healthcare example uh, that you're working with. Um, okay. you know, share with me your thoughts on what is the one. Maybe what is the one vertical, whether it's healthcare, whether it's banking, whether it's publishing, whether it's automotive, whether it's hospitality, uh, what's the one area of our life where AI, we're going to see the most benefit from AI first?
1: So uh, the most benefit from AI, um, you know, the whole voice interface, it's the most natural interface. That's, you know, whether it's applied for, you know, for customer service or this tele, you know, telehealth example that I just cited, you know, we, you know, it's great today with, you know, on the consumer side where you have your, uh, you know, uh, Alexa or Google Home or whatever to be kind of like a, you know, a QA and a service to where you don't have to, you know, go and, Type in your query to Google, whatever. You can get your, your answer. But, um, but l- let me frame it this way. Every credible AI does the who, what, why, when, and how, uh, but not the why. And that's the holy grail out there. Why, you know, is causal reasoning or common sense. And none of the players, including Google, Amazon, uh, and other impressive startups have cracked that there's no meaning in the conversation. So in order to have um, really to thread this in terms of AI really coming into a useful um, assistant, I mean, that's why I talk most of my, uh, you can't see it on the website, but I I talk my number one topic is augmented intelligence for the future of work. And the simple definition of that Bradley is humans working with machines. So what the machines are doing is if you're whatever work is procedural, whether it's, a, you know, you know, legal work and financial and customers, whatever can be codified, workflow, you know, procedural work that, you know, I have a, a you know, one of my favorite go to um, uh, quotes is alluding to Peter Drucker's thinking, efficiency should be delegated to machines while effectiveness should be human pursuit. So what this is going to mean is that going forward, when we get more, you know, cracking the causal analysis and reasoning, as far as conversational AI, you need the meaning based and it needs to have deep multi-turn conversations because that, you know, most chatbots today are very narrow. And if you get out of that narrow domain, they suck. Period. So you need to have engines that can you know, switch, you know, context like humans do seamlessly with this, you know, and maintain contextual association. So once that is, you know, and we're getting closer, this is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like I said, the big players obviously are cranking, you know, hard on this, but there there's still some cleverness and, you know, where I play in, in startups that can also crack it. The other component I want to mention is that, you you know, or to have you know, uh, to really bring it to, to fruition is that you need emotional intelligence, as the, which we're building into Signal Action AI. So what emotional intelligence allows you to do is 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 have the chatbot or lifelike you know, if you have a lifelike avatar deployed with it you need, you know, you need to have empathy. And that's, that's the other ingredient. So I really see three components. It's the conversational, it's the behavioral, okay, and the emotional. And if you thread those together, you've got a really good chance to, you know, to crack the problem.
0: No, that's, yeah, that's really interesting insight. I, um, uh, I think going back to your your healthcare example, in addition to those things that you, you laid out, I, I just think there's some of these industries where there's regulatory issues that get in the way of being able to pursue those three domains that you just put forth. And, you know, with healthcare in particular um, I think what's, it's really fascinating to see right now, the willingness here in the United States and probably elsewhere as well to um, dispense with some of the regulation around how tele- healthcare, remote health care, telehealthcare, whatever words most appropriate, is administered. And mm-hmm. you know now um, we're, we're seeing, hey, the, sh- the shackles are loose, and we can, we can do what we really want to do here. Um, I think it's kind of an exciting environment to be in, um, from a from a voice and AI, anything to do with AI perspective, where you're dealing with data and want to want to communicate with patients remotely. Because my interpretation, as a uh, person sitting on the sidelines, not involved in that industry in any way, is that it, it looks like the road is clear.
1: It is because basically, you know, no matter you know, even with Uh, With this current pandemic, I think it's really changing. And that's why you're seeing, right? You know, I just read a statistic about how, you know, internet speeds have been throttled in most of the cities across the country, right? And everybody's like, you know, you know, more on Zoom like we are today and so forth. But yeah, I mean, this is really going to, I mean, I've been doing remote work for 20 years. So when, when, I, when I see people post on tips for you know, remote work, I just kind of smile and, and move on. And, uh, and but you're going to really see this whole, this whole change of, of, of tele, you know, whatever market, whether it be in health or, you know, you know financial services, and that's going to be the new modality. And, uh, and I think that's one of the, you know, the upsides out of, out of this, you know, calamity that we have is uh, uh, I'm the big fan, you know, as uh, a, as, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing the gig economy before It had that cool, you know, phraseology for a long time. But you're starting to see really uh, moving up the scale to where, you know, people don't want to just be, you know, working for HP or IBM or something, right? If they have what it takes, they can, you know, enter the, you know, the gig economy as a acting, you know, uh, uh, VP of, of, of marketing or an acting CFO. You're going to see more of that, and I really think that from a startup perspective, Bradley, this is great. You're going to have more talent, you know, that wants to come, you know, uh, to do, you know, engagements, you know, uh, uh, virtual engagements, and be a contributing component. Profit from that. And then move on to the next thing. And it isn't just a millennial. I'm a baby boomer, and I've never been busier in my whole career.
0: No, that's great. Um, that's a really, really good insight. I'm speaking to Steve Ardieri. I'll get that pr- pr- pronounced correctly now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on uh, the Voice First Roundtable. Steve, I want to conclude. You know, we sort of covered some of the COVID-19 stuff. I want to conclude by asking you... Um, just a simple question on what do you hope that we see from this voice tech, Any you know, anywhere in the landscape from voice tech all the way to the AI, you know, any aspect of the AI underneath it. What, what do you hope that we see as some of the developments in this area um, by the time the end of the year rolls around? Is there anything in particular that you're watching that, that you hope comes to pass, um, you know. Share with me your thoughts on, you know, you you mentioned Alexa, Google Assistant, some of these mainstream voice assistants. Where do you think we'll be in the end of the by the end of the year? What are you hopeful to see?
1: So, I think you know, in many respects, it's really going to uh, be kind of a refreshing cleansing of sorts to say, yes, we're still executing, you know. With what we, you know, for this particular tele, you know, behavior health startup, uh, if you've got the right stuff, um, you, you, it all comes down to, you know, nailing your product market fit and knowing how to execute off that. I, th- I like it in terms of the uh, kind of more of a leveling of the playing field to where you can see if you've got the right substance as an underdog and you can, you know, you can come to market, you know, close deals and start getting traction you don't need to have uh there, there's going to be a you know a lot of startups that are overfunded you know 50 100 million dollars where it's more marketing hype and bs than it is real product substance that's what i see as so it's sort of like it's kind of like recalibrating leveling the playing field here And it's really going to put a big hurt on a lot of the, I don't get any funding through, you know, I go to micro VCs. I think most of the big VCs, you know, are, are it's their, their, their models and that's what it is. Augmented intelligence, you know, uh, uh, is, uh, is, and, and, you know, AI isn't killing jobs, it's killing business models. And I think, That's a good thing because there's too much hype and inflation within D.C. overfunded uh, startup, you know, startup names. And it's going to really, you know, come down to more of what we used to have, you know, meritocracy and then executing smartly. So that's that's my takeaway.
0: Excellent. Yeah, Um, Steve, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for taking some time to share uh, not just your experience, but your expertise with me and the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated.
1: My pleasure, Bradley. Thank you very much. Stay safe.
0: You, You too. For the Voice First Roundtable, season two, episode six. Thank you for listening, watching, if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time.